Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Assassination Nation and Lizzie in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. movies on tap for today's episode uh both 2018 films uh that are assassination nation is out now uh, as is lizzie both are relatively they're not well assassination nation is is a wide release but is um i don't know not a lot of people are seeing it so uh but lizzie is all is is more of a limited release uh, so if you can find it, um, you have that option. Uh, but w- well, l- let's let's talk about the movies first. No spoilers, uh, just straight up impressions and reviews to to do this. Uh, first up, Assassination Nation. Uh, this is the first of the two that I had seen, so I will talk about it first. Assassination Nation, directed by Sam Levinson, starring. Odessa Young, Suki Waterhouse, Hari Neff, Abra, Bill Skarsgård, Joel McHale, Bella Thorne, and Anika Noni Rose. Um, a pretty decent cast uh, in terms of size and and reputation for a film as tiny as Assassination Nation. It follows uh, four high school seniors, uh, specifically Odessa Young's Lily as basically people's texts, tweets, emails, pictures, selfies, conversations get leaked um, to to everyone. And the er- opening one is, I believe, the mayor, whose, you know, entire social media profile and, uh, you know, secrets and, and private files are all leaked, uh, showing that he is a cross-dresser, um, and so forth, and one of the opening scenes, he is holding a press conference, and he's trying to speak uh, as everyone is jeering and yelling and, and screaming at him uh, until he pulls out a gun and shoots himself uh, in the in the mouth, through the head. And this is a movie, it is very stylized, it is very, very over-the-top, very aggressive, very exaggerated, and it kind of just follows this town, the town of Salem, which is not, you know, used without reference to its context, uh, as it, it really just kind of crumbles underneath the ensuing madness that takes place once more and more secrets and private information is revealed from uh, some of our main characters to, uh, you know, tertiary characters that are in their lives and also affect them and so on and so on and so forth. And you could describe this as, you know, Mean Girls meets The Purge. I think that's a relatively apt description and as far as I'm concerned, it works. I, I think it works. I think <clears throat> it's a very divisive film. If you like it, you like it. And if you know you don't like it, you hate it. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought the cast was great. 
Uh, I wasn't a big fan of Odessa Young as Lily. Uh, I, I wasn't... Eh, she was fine. Uh, I liked the rest of the cast a lot more. And it really just shoves a huge middle finger in the face of a lot of different things throughout the course of the film. There is a sequence for about a minute early on in the movie where it warns you that, you know, if it's it's gonna use have, there are gonna be a lot of trigger warnings and it just it's just a cycle of all these snapshots from the film itself with you know violence torture rape um and so on and so forth and all the things that are going to take place and it, it's true uh, the film covers a huge huge swath of things and it's not really trying to say anything specific about each individual aspect you know it's you know one of the things is toxic male masculinity the movie doesn't uh, the movie you know plays on that a couple of times but it's not a piece that's saying you know it's not devoted to the idea that toxic masculinity is a bad thing It, it says that but it's not spending more than maybe five minutes of the runtime on that issue and so what is more pertinent is the fact that all of the things, every single thing that it touches, which is a huge, huge percentage of what's just happening in the world, is that's the commentary. That, like, everything is bad. Everything is wrong. You know, the system is corrupt and caustic and and terrible. And, you know, maybe we need four girls in red red jackets with guns to to blow up the establishment you know maybe that's what it takes maybe that's where we're at and it really does become this sort of love letter to uh you know um chaos almost you try to I don't know, you know, this is, it's it's a movie where, you know, things take violent turns and we'll spend five minutes following a character that otherwise isn't really in the movie just to watch her, you know, bash someone's head in with a baseball bat. And that's fascinating. Like, the the, the fact that this movie will give us the time to, to see that and watch that and at the same time, you know, we get to see that same character paraded down the halls of her school and everyone is cheering for her. Cheering for her. You know, what what you know, what world is it that we're living in? And this movie is making the statement that, you know, the world we're living in is really, really fucked up. And it is. <laughs> it is there there's there's a lot of problems and you know it 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 takes you know sort of stretching the truth a little bit and and exaggerating things a little bit to show that you know we're you know one data leak from the Salem witch trials basically uh it it's it's a it's a witch hunt, and anyone who gets in the way is immediately branded 
you know, the enemy. You know, we watch, there's a sequence, there's a ridiculous, ridiculous moment in this movie where you have one character, you know, shouting to a group of people, we are good people, we are good people as he, uh, you know, as he hurts and tortures and, uh, you know, you know, threatens innocent people without any grounds. And yet everyone is totally rallying behind this guy. We're good people. We're good people. And that's that's kind of everything in a nutshell, isn't it? You know, we think to ourselves, yeah, every everything's real messed up out there, but I'm a good person. And that and and yet you're complicit by letting these things happen. And everyone is kind of watching, watching, and and passively approving of all of these horrors and travesties that are taking place. Um, so, uh, so you have Odessa Young as Lily, main character. You have Suki Waterhouse as Sarah. Uh, I liked her. I like Suki Waterhouse. I liked her in The Bad Batch. Uh, she doesn't get too much to do in this, but I, I thought what little role she had was really fun and really really nice. Hari Neff as Bex uh, is fantastic. I love her in this movie. Uh, she is probably the most predominant character outside of uh, Odessa Young, and I thought she was exceptional. Just absolutely killed it. Um, she gets a brilliant moment towards the end of the film uh, that I, I really did love. Uh, and then Abra, Abra, uh, who is the fourth member of the Teenage Girls Quattro Quartet, uh, she was fine. She, you know, she and Suki Waterhouse, the lesser two of the four, and uh, she was fine. She was fine. Uh, side characters: you got Bill Skarsgård, who played Pennywise in It. Uh, here playing a high school teenager. He was fine. I don't know. He did what the script wanted him to. Uh, Joel McHale was pretty good uh, as his role. Uh, he played Nick. I forget the last name. Uh, but you don't know. His his role in the story is, is very scary. And I, I really liked... The reveal, I liked the the ending of his character, the the finality of his character, but I, I think that uh, he he's too absent throughout most of the film to really have a big impact. Uh, you also have Bella Thorne as Regan, who is really hamming up her you know Valley Girl voice and and so on, and I thought she was fine. I don't know. I, I liked her the most in The Babysitter of things I've seen her in. And this, she was kind of very side character. Like, which is strange because, I mean, I guess, I don't know when this movie was filmed. But uh, she's far more uh, recognizable than most of the other people in this movie at this point. Uh, yeah. So, eh, you know. Outside of Harnef, I, I thought the cast was fine. 
nothing exceptional. Um, as far as the filmmaking, there's an incredible long tracking shot, uh, unbroken shot in the film uh, surrounding a home invasion sequence that's all filmed from outside of this house, uh, mostly as the camera drifts from window to window, which reminded me there's a scene that's very similar to this in Fargo, the first season of Fargo that follows uh, two, uh, I think two guys going into a building and like shooting it up. And we watch it from outside as they go from floor to floor through the wind and, and see through the windows. And this was very similar. I think it was even longer. I, I loved the complexity of it. And you, you really felt that sense of dread as you weren't sure what the next room was going to hold as you floated, floated from one window to the next. I, I really... I really loved that scene. I, I thought it was fantastic. One of my favorites didn't quite uh, make the list uh, for me, but definitely uh, definitely worth appreciating in that sense. Uh, the music and score of this movie is awesome. So awesome. Uh, it, it's it's over the top a lot. It's It's very... In your face, but it, it feels like what it, it, it's um the soundtrack itself is kind of what Suicide Squad wanted to be, you know. So it's Suicide Squad, great songs in it, but you know it just like like a lot of people say, it feels like a bunch of trailers stitched together, and this utilized that sort of a method much 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 more effectively and much better. Um, going from and including the actual score behind it uh, to also just totally, totally uh, create a mood and an atmosphere that really feels um, like this is this is this is just the world. This is like some sort of anime uh, over the top exaggerated world that exists and lives and is lived in. And that's that's really important. It, it needs to be believed in some on some level, right? Even if it's not how we ever imagine our world existing and living and playing out, it has to feel like that world can do it. And I think the repetitive mention of the town's name of Salem, you know, that is very triggering and that is very impressionable on its own uh the you know the opening sequence where you know that all these things are going to take place in this movie violence ego torture rape uh the 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 mayor shooting himself in the head you know one of the first scenes of the movie it, it's it's it really gives you a very um, hyper-realistic baseline to start at and things go up from there. They get more exaggerated, more over the top, so on and so forth. So it's not for everybody. Uh, definitely not. It's it's very much uh, of its of a particular audience. For me, I really enjoyed it. I ended up giving the film a uh, 72. It definitely has problems, but certainly uh, excels in the places it's trying to excel at. And 
it is gory, it is messy, it is 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 rough and bloody, and uh, you know, there's so much language and and promiscuity and and so on and so on and so on. Uh, there's a sequence relatively early where the screen is sliced into three segments, and we constantly they're constantly shifting their perspectives, and we're watching three different characters at the same time. And, I thought the filmmaking of this movie was very, very effective and very um, very, very strong, very strong. So um, that said, uh, as far as other other uh, um, other impact that assassination nation had, the score currently makes my list. Uh, current makes the circle of film award list of scores and Hari Neff as a supporting actor uh, she she was great and so currently with two nominations two nominations for those two things loved it very happy but that's that's assassination nation again i think watch the trailer probably because you're gonna know from the drop if it's a movie that could even possibly remotely interest you and it's not going to interest everybody, so uh, I don't know. It, it's it's. I think if you liked, say, "Sorry to Bother You," this could be in your wheelhouse. This could work. Uh, sort of, you know, that very hyper realized, like real life similarity. I think could work, uh, but you know, depends. We'll see. Assassination Nation. Which brings us to second movie, second movie of today's episode, uh, which I saw yesterday, uh, which is titled Lizzie, also a 2018 film directed by Craig McNeil. Uh, Craig McNeil hasn't really, he made uh, 2015's The Boy, which I haven't seen, I haven't seen, I've only seen one other film of his and it was a short film that... uh, won a lot of awards called Late Bloomer. But Lizzie also stars Chloe Sevigny, uh, Kristen Stewart, Jamie Sheridan, Fiona Shaw, Kim Dickens, and Dennis O'Hare, among others. And it's the story of Lizzie Borden in the late 1800s, 1890s, uh, who is living under the strict rules of her father, uh, played by... Jamie Sheridan, I believe. Yes. Um, And basically uh, unhappy and thinks she knows much better than he does as far as the family's fortune, as far as the family's business and dealings. Um, At the start of the film, uh, Bridget, or Maggie, played by Kristen Stewart, uh, enters the house as a maid, live-in maid, and they slowly develop a friendship, and things kind of spiral out of control from there. Uh, There is violence and uh, some some very not-so-nice situations happening. So part of it is the house, the, the father is continuously receiving all of these threatening notes almost every day. 
uh, you have uh, uh, his first wife, Lizzie's mother, died. Now he has Fiona Shaw as his new wife, uh, who doesn't get along with Lizzie at all. Kim Dickens plays Emma, who is Lizzie's sister, uh, who also, you know, has her sort of, kind of tries to stay out of things most of the time. Uh, then it, 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 you have uh, Dennis O'Hare, who plays John Morse, who is uh, the, the father's brother, who wants a stake in, in the family fortune, who wants to inherit this money, who doesn't think it should go to Lizzie and Emma and so forth. And so he has his own interests at heart. Lizzie, rightly, uh, doesn't buy what he's selling, whereas her father seems to. Her father seems to use him as a confidant, and she doesn't understand why. So there's a lot of different uh, social situations interweaving themselves throughout the film, uh, and that, that provides a decent base for the conflict and drama that ultimately takes place. However, it's when things start to... Uh, start to start to roll into each other, start to escalate, that I think the film loses its footing a little bit in the middle third. Uh, you know, it, it ends up stretching itself a little too thin and too long. I think Kim Dickens as Emma is vastly, you know, un- unnecessary as a, as a role. Uh, whether or not she really existed fine, but I think that her impact on the film is very negligible. Uh, the relationship between Sevigny and Stuart, uh, Lizzie and Maggie, I liked. I thought that came across very very well, but it, it doesn't... Um, it's kind of downplayed in the movie, almost, uh, despite how integral it is to the story. And... The, the, there's kind of um I don't know it, it when things escalate when when things sort of hit their breaking point in the movie there's no real it, it just it just happens it's it just happens immediately and you don't see the transition from Lizzie's character as, as someone who couldn't do such a thing to someone who could do such a thing. Uh, you don't see the change in her to make her capable of what ultimately happens. And when we flash back, so so the, there's a time skip forward, uh, and then there's a flashback to the events that take place. And those events, the, the, the depiction of them, that I've really loved. The ending of the movie I really enjoyed. I thought the deliberate and slow, methodical way that we saw Lizzie ex- um, exec- uh, uh, exact her her plan and and let it run its course was brilliant. You know, you get to see every step of the way, you know, what her plan is and how she's going about it and and what the next step is going to be because we have the timeline. We know the timeline already from what we already saw in the future. We know the result. We know the end 
result. And now we're watching it happen, and it still manages to throw you a few swerves despite that, uh, which I really appreciated. You know, I was kind of stunned uh, at one point when I was kind of taken aback by what actually, what I had expected was happening, and then that was subverted, and then rever reverted back to what I did expect. But getting those those little bumps along the way where things don't go perfectly where you know whose plan to whose revenge plan ever can go absolutely perfectly no one's and seeing those those hiccups in lizzie's plan uh, is really fascinating um as far as the performances uh 70 was amazing uh kristen stewart was very very good as well I loved fiona shaw in this she doesn't get a lot of screen time she has maybe two Two big moments that I, I absolutely loved. Uh, there's an exchange she has with Seveny where Seveny tells her, you know, you should be afraid of me or something. And Fiona Shaw just like dead, just looks at her and this like small smile creeps onto her lips and she says, why? And it's, it's brilliant, you know. She has so much character in these very small moments that she gets. And I wish we'd seen a little bit more of her. Uh, I would have loved that. Uh, Jamie Sheridan as her father, as Lizzie's father, uh, is good. Uh, you know, he, he's very commandeering and domineering father figure. You know, fairly straightforward. Um, I think he doesn't play up the fear enough. You know, the, I mentioned the letters that he receives... The, the threats that he receives, and, and there's a lot made about those uh, and how he gets very frightened and worried about them. I, I don't think that came across in the performance enough for me. Um, Dennis O'Hare as the brother was fine. Uh, I, I, he didn't exactly stick out. He doesn't... He gets a couple of moments towards the middle slash end of the movie, uh, which were fine, but... You know, it was very straightforward and, and one-dimensional of a character for me. Um, but yeah, Seventy, Stewart, and Shaw were fantastic. Uh, loved them in this movie. Uh, I haven't done put this movie into the spreadsheet yet, but I'm pretty sure it will have an impact in the acting categories um, for the moment, for the time being. We will see how that all shakes out. Uh, I liked it. It's not great. I, I wanted more. It's a very small story. And we don't really ever leave the house that they live in. So it's very contained. And that's fine. But it really does uh, limit the scope. And I think as we move into the final final act of the film, we realize that there's a much bigger scope at, of this movie, and we're only just realizing it at the end, uh, which is frustrating. You know, a lot is made about the relationship that Lizzie's father has with the rest of the people and, and, and so forth, and we never see any of these other people. We don't interact with any of these other people, and, and I wish we did. I wish we did a little bit more and kind of fleshed out some of these characters, uh, particularly the father, particularly John, enough to make it mean something when uh, they they become bigger roles. So, 
yeah, uh, you know, again, I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I don't think it's as good as Assassination Nation, but I think it's worth a watch. Um, I think for at least 70s and Stewart's performances, I think it's worth a watch. The ending, as I mentioned, is my favorite part. I, I loved the way that the I, I love the way that McNeil told the story at the end, uh, you know, showing us the aftermath and then taking us back and watching it play out and expecting one thing and, and not really and managing to give us something enough different enough that uh, it was worth the wait worth the time spent away so yeah i like lizzie um probably gonna find its way into the 60s i think that's that's where i would guess it's gonna end up but um yeah i'm i'm you know, mild thumbs up. Mild thumbs up for Lizzie. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. Um, that's all there is to the, to the movie. It's very straightforward, but um, it's it's at the at, you know it's mostly acting. And uh, and it's mostly the relationship between Stuart and Seventy. So um, that's it. <laughs> that's it for today's episode. Um, I am in the process of recording stuff early because I will be away for a while. Uh, in in and uh, need to kind of get some episodes ready to go. So. You know, my plan, uh, here's the here's the upcoming schedule. This episode coming out Friday the 28th. Um, I'm going to do, right now there's going to be two more review episodes uh, on other newer films on Monday and Wednesday next week. And then I have the top 10 uh, 1950s born actors episode on next Friday. And then I will be back to record by Monday. Um, probably Monday's episode will be uh, top 10 new films that I saw in September. So I'm excited and looking forward to all of those. Thank you so much. And now uh, the outro, courtesy of Meg Berquist. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to listen to more episodes, you can find this podcast at circleoffilm.com or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. If you'd like to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can find him at circleoffilm or contact him through email at circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. Thank you again for listening, and have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.